You're listening to Malta Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. That gives you the ins and outs of what's happening in the world of yeah, sickness or healthness or well-being. But joining us this evening is one of our favorites, Dr. Faru Kafiji. He's a specialist family physician. Dr. Sahaba, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and jazakallah khair for joining us on Medical Files. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and to your listeners. I tell you, doctor, I tell you something. I got inside info. I got inside info. They say, you know, Dr. Faruk Hafiji told the people, go and get your eyes tested. Sometime you get up, you're getting headaches, your head is, you say, hey, I'm always dizzy and this and that. Could it be that problem of a cataract, you know, after 55, 60, cataract setting in, and you have to go and get it removed, doctor. Talk to us about that uh, syndrome. It Does it come with age? Uh, yes, cataracts are very common, and most people get it through their lives. Uh, and uh, uh, age is one of the um, biggest risk factors. If you, if you live old enough, you'll probably develop cataracts. And uh, it's something that creeps up on you slowly, so you don't even realize after a while that uh, your vision has dimmed and your colors have dimmed and you're not looking at things like how they're in a natural state. Uh, So this happens and sometimes younger people get it also and there are some diseases that cause cataracts to come up a little quicker, a little sooner in your life. Uh, You don't have to, uh, you you know, age is one of the risk factors, but there are others. Uh, diabetes is one of them, especially if you develop diabetes at a younger age. Chances are that by the time you come to 50, uh, 55, you'll start developing cataracts. And uh, and the other thing is people who use cortisone for long periods of time, people who on diseases that require them to use cortisone, like autoimmune diseases where uh, people are on cortisone every day for years and years and years, uh, their chances of developing cataracts are much higher at a younger age. Um, and uh, there are some eye conditions that uh, that can cause cataracts to develop earlier. And trauma is one of them. And you can get hurt in your eye and when you are younger. Uh, and uh, you sometimes you forget about the injury that you sustained uh, when you were younger from either a fall or a blow in the eye uh, or something like that. And you find that you start developing cataracts uh, at an early age. So yes, these are, and, and the cataract actually is a, um, is, an, is, is when the lens of the eye, see when you have the lens of the eyes, like the lens of the glasses, our glasses uh, that people use to see. And when the lens goes opaque, um, then you are seeing through an opaque glass, which, uh, which shades everything that you see, and you, you can't see things clearly. Uh, and that's what actually happens. You know, Doc, uh, the, how long does a cataract uh, you know, procedure take? How long? Well, uh, you know, it, it's the, you know, before it was quite, uh, uh, quite a long procedure and, uh, you know, they used to make a, a big uh, cut in the, in, the, uh, in the eye and then put a, put a catheter in, uh, put a, um, take, the, take the old lens out uh, and they used to... Uh, Put the new lens in, and of course the cut on the on the eye dependent on the size of the lens, and so it was quite a traumatic uh, operation in in, uh, in you know uh, in the early stages. Of course, you know many years ago, hundred years ago, there was no operation for cataract. People just became blind because the more the more opaque the, the lens went, the more blind you became, and so so when the when the, when the lens went completely opaque. opaque uh, you won't be. You, you people couldn't see through them at all, and they went blind. Although they were not blind, they couldn't see through the lens. That's why they went blind. But if that lens was removed and a new lens put in, the vision came back immediately. And in fact, we still see that these days. I heard of a woman the uh, the other day who couldn't see in her in her. Uh, she couldn't see for for years. She couldn't see. Uh, she thought she was completely blind, and and she had no no means of getting any operation done. Uh, she was living in the rural areas, and she was depending on other people. Uh, and then when some of our medical people from the IMA, Islamic Medical Association, uh, saw her, 
and examined her and told her, you know what, you got cataracts and you can you, you can get your vision back again. And uh, so she, they followed through. Uh, they got her. They got her involved uh, with the with the with, with people with, on a voluntary basis. Uh, they they replaced that those uh, cataracts with new lenses, and lo and behold, she could see absolutely clearly, and she was absolutely amazed and and so 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 very thankful uh, for for getting her vision back again. So uh, you know, even this day in this modern age, we are still seeing people who are blind and don't know. They don't know that they can get their eyes, their vision completely right uh, just by changing the lenses. So, uh, so you know, so so those are, you know, before the operation was quite traumatic, but now, now it's quite different. Now, the lenses have been modernized, with the result that the lenses can be, the lens that that they replaced the old lens was the two problems that they faced. One problem was removing the old lens. The other problem was putting the new lens in. So to remove the lens, to 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 make the cut smaller, because they, you know, to to cut the eye, make a big hole in the eye, took a long time to recover, and that caused a lot of complications. The smaller the the, the hole that you make in the body, anywhere, that's why they now they, people have gone into minimal invasive surgery. That's what they call it. They call it minimal invasive surgery, where they're using scopes rather than cutting people open. They're using scopes to do surgery, and the, the idea there is to make as little uh, cause as little trauma to the body as possible, so that the person recovers faster. So, without compromising treatment, without compromising the surgery, can we do the surgery in a way that would minimize the injury to the body? And uh, that's what's happening these days. And the whole the whole surgical field has been revolutionized uh, because of the new technique of doing surgery. But in, in, it applies to the cataract surgery as well. So what, they, what they've done, they, they found a way in which to emulsify the lens, the old lens. What they do is they, they crush it and, uh, with sound waves. They crush it with ultrasound waves uh, and, make, and break the old lens into pieces. And then they suck it out. So now you don't need a big hole anymore because now all you need to do is take out the crumbs, take out the pieces of the of the uh, of the old lens, and the smaller the pieces of the old lens, uh, the easier to suck out. And they clean the whole thing out. They flush it out. Uh, they put uh, stuff inside, uh, and, uh, liquid inside, and they flush that whole cavity out where they took the old lens out from. Now you have a cavity there which has got no lens inside, and it's all cleaned out and all looking good. Now they take the new lens, which is a foldable lens. This lens now is a foldable lens, and it opens. It's, it springs open. Now I, I, I you know those those listeners who have uh, had a windscreen sunblocker, you know sunblock, you know that plastic thing that you fold up into a little ring, and when you when you release it, it springs open uh, into into a, a large windscreen cover. And then when you when you fold it again, you fold it and fold it in a particular way, and then it becomes a small little ring, and you store it. And when you open it, you just open it, and the whole thing just springs open. Now that's the method, that's the technique that they use for the new uh, lenses. So what they do is they fold the lens in a particular way, uh, and and that folded lens is only two millimeters thick, two millimeters thick. That's all. So they only have to make a two millimeter hole in your eye just to get the lens in, just to get the instrument in to suck up the old uh, lens, the old uh, lens of yours, and, and, and insert this new. So that through this two millimeter little hole, that they, they take this folded lens and they put it inside, position it, and then release it. And it springs open inside the, this cavity. Once it springs open, it's there permanently right in that cavity that Allah Ta'ala has created for the lens. And so uh, you, you, you get virtual, virtually instant vision straight away. But because it's such a shock to the eye uh, to, to get this vision and, to, and, and because of the trauma to the eye uh, that happens with this, with this uh, cut, a two millimeter cut, plus the trauma of sucking up, uh, sucking up all this uh, old lens out, uh, you need to, then the eye needs a rest for a few days. Uh, usually, 
you know, usually three or four days. Uh, by the fourth or fifth day, um, you know, your eyes heal completely. But uh, the, the lens may take, uh, you know, the lens takes, takes a little while to settle inside that cavity. There may be a little bit of movement initially, and then it so, slowly settles down. And by the time you come to about three or four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, um, your lens has completely settled down in this cavity where the old lens was taken out from. Now you have a new lens there. And in fact, the new lens now you can see absolutely clearly. And now this, the, the, and, and what they have done now, even better, and that is that they have now uh, created a situation where they look at your visual acuity before they do the cataract operation. So when they, um, if you've got a problem, now they will ask you, do you want to see better far or do you want to see better close? Now it depends on what you do. If you do a lot of reading, a lot of computer work, a lot of close work, you would want a lens that will make you see close. And and uh, if you do a lot of work that that's a distance work, like outdoor work, uh, things that require distance vision, then you choose a lens that will give you a distance. There is multifocal uh, multifocal lenses, but they are not uh, not very uh, easy. Uh, not easy, not easy to get, and not very accurate at the moment. So, you, so now at the moment you get far distance vision lenses and close vision lenses. So, I'll ask you, what do you want? You want a distance or a close or a, or a long distance? So, in other words, when they put the lens in, and if you if you ask for a long distance vision, you'll see long distance very clearly, but you will have a problem reading. So, you'll need reading glasses. But if you ask for a lens where you need to read closely, you'll be able to read closely without glasses, but you will need glasses for distance vision. So that's where you will end up. And then, some has, uh, and then what happens is after a while, uh, these cataracts, this, uh, these cataracts uh, the capsule in which the cataracts is sitting, uh, becomes a little, uh, you know, with, with a, with, you know remember, remember, you're putting a foreign body in there. You're putting something that is not natural in your eye. So the body reacts a little bit to it over a period of time. And the capsule uh, in, in which the lens sits uh, becomes a little bit uh, uh, a little bit opaque itself. So what they do is they use laser to clean it up. They polish it. They polish it with a laser. And it takes a few, a few minutes. And then once that's polished, you see back again, you'll see complete 100% vision again. So... Technology has improved to such an extent that it is amazing how quickly they do it and how well they do it without much pain and without much discomfort. Uh, the thing gets done very quickly. And all this knowledge, all this knowledge comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's made life so much easier for us and giving this knowledge to us uh, to help people. Well, people, you heard the specialist family physician and with so much of detail, I, I'm amazed, uh, Dr. You talk about this the multifocal or the bifocal uh, lenses or the glasses that you get, and you say it's uh, it's not uh, mastered yet 100%, doctor. Uh, yes, you can. You know, the, the, it still needs to be refined. Uh, it is available at the moment where where the lens, the lens, the new lens that you get inside your eye can be like your multifocal, your bifocal glasses, glasses that you use outside, but this will be inside on your lens. Uh, has a problem because uh, as you get older, that also changes. So uh, you know you you but you, but once you put the lens inside your eye, you can't change that thing unless you have another cataract operation. So uh, that's a bit of a problem. So uh, uh, you know they they haven't perfected that part yet. Uh, and uh, but uh, you know uh, if you have both eyes done, you have both eyes done, then. What you can do is you can ask them to give you one eye looking long distance and one eye looking close distance. So now you can read, you can do both. You can read close and you can read long distance, and and your brain will adjust to see which eye is going to use for what. And our brains, our brains, the latter has given us are phenomenal. We can blot out things and we can we, we can add things if we want to. And here, what will happen now after a while? Your, your your brain will will realize that you see close vision with your left eye you see distance vision with your right eye so when you want when you want to look at a distance 
your your brain will automatically look through your right eye, and if you're looking at something close, your brain will automatically look through your left eye, and so you'll be able to see close and distance vision at the same time. So, alhamdulillah, what a thing that is! It's amazing, absolutely amazing, and this is something that uh, that uh, that people have discovered. But it's all all comes back to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, who's given us such a wonderful body and such a wonderful brain to be able to distinguish uh, between these two. Jazakallah for that, uh, Doctor. I just got my bifocals. I don't know what focus the other day. And you're making a lot of sense. And it'll take some adjustments. And I was just talking and uh, telling my wife, to say, hey, you know, man, hey, this is heavy, man. It's heavy. I have better without it. Or my reading glass will do that. But you put so many things into perspective. And Jazakallah uh, for that. And, uh, you know, we advertise the show quite extensively. And a message had come through by the the Qasim family said, Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Farooq Afiji. Uh, we bless you uh, from our hearts. We've been listening to you uh, for a long, long time on many platforms when it comes to the medical show. And now you made every member of the family walk in the house. It's like a traffic jam, one room to the other room. <laughs> uh, doctor, I, you know, you're a big advocate in uh, people walking. But now, uh, you know, you've been, I think, inspired a whole family, maybe living in a block of flats. So the traffic jam is on. How, how do you respond to that, Doc? Uh, you know, it is so important for us to do that. Allah Ta'ala has given us limbs and joints and muscles. And if we don't use them, uh, they, they, they stagnate. And if you don't use them, uh, they become, uh, you know, they, you, 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 they become disused. Uh, and, you know, it's up to us. Allah Ta'ala has given it to us, but it's up to us to maintain them and to look after them. And it does just, just does not happen automatically. And all we need to do really is to walk. And it's amazing the difference that you will feel if you just walk every day for about half an hour or so. So if you're making zikr, don't sit and make zikr. Walk and make zikr. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing the changes you'll find in taking place in your body. No matter how old you are, no matter how uh, uh, how disabled you are, try and find a way. Even if you are on a on a walker, you can make you can still walk with the walker and make zikr and walk around. And you find after a while that you will be able to walk longer, and you'll be able to, you you'll be able to have more strength, more flexibility. You'll have more balance. Uh, you'll be able to to uh, to get up from a chair a little bit easier. Everything will improve, and all. All it took you to do was to consistently walk. And and if you haven't walked for a long time, it'll take a while before you get to that point, maybe two or three or four weeks before you get to that point. But, you know, think about the future and tell yourself that, look, um, I want to get fit and I want to be able to walk around uh, and I want to improve myself. Now, now, if you look at it the other way around, you go backwards again, you sit in a chair, you don't want to get up, you ask you ask people for water. You ask people to bring you tea. You ask people to get you your glasses. You ask people to get you your book. You ask people to bring you your Quran. No, that's not on. You go. You have to go and do it yourself. And if you go and do it yourself, that is exercise for you. For you also. So if you do that, you will get into the mode of helping yourself and more in a mode of becoming active through the day. So if you go the other way now. Uh, you sit in the chair and you ask for things to be done to you all day uh, with the result that your body is not being exercised, your joints are not being exercised, your joints are going to go stiff, your muscles are going to go weak, they'll lose their tone, which means that you're going to have a problem getting out of out of the chair. The next thing that will happen is you're going to have a problem walking. The next thing that's going to happen, you're going to need a wheelchair to ta- to, for people to take you around. The next thing that's going to happen, you're going to, you're going to have a problem getting onto the wheelchair and off the wheelchair. And the next thing that's going to happen, you're going to get bedridden. And the next thing that's going to happen, you're going to be sitting in bed there and expecting people to do everything for you. So you see how it goes. You can reverse it. You can go backwards again, becoming more and more active and getting out of bed, getting out of the chair, getting out of the, out of the wheelchair, getting out of the chair and start walking again. And, but it takes time and you need, to, you need to do that. And if you want, if you can afford it, you need some motivation, you need somebody to do it with you, then you can get a professional like a biokinetist. Uh, they are the ones who will 
help you do exercises in bed, exercises while you're sitting in on a chair to try and strengthen those walking muscles and hand muscles that will push you up and 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 get you going again so that you can walk. Uh, inshallah, that that that's the way to go. And uh, yes, the traffic jam in the house, fantastic. People must encourage each other in the house to do it, and don't laugh at people in, in the house when they do it, and join them to do it. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, it'll benefit everybody. Encourage each other in the house and cause a traffic jam in the house. Beautiful indeed, and I like I like what you said there. And also, you know, others you become like a vegetable. Oh, like a pot plant in the house, one corner there, and uh, at the mercy of the uh, people uh, giving you the water and this and that. Well, we need to be on the move all the time. And uh, doctor, one more thing about the eye. It is said that if you look at greenery, it's uh, very good for the eye. When you look at the ocean, or you you know, all that is very good. But excessive sun uh, definitely destroys or uh, is a very hazardous uh, for the uh, for the eyes, uh, doctor. Uh, yes, it is. It's it's not good at all, uh, and uh, it creates a, a lot of problems for the eyes, uh, especially in people who have a sensitive uh, sensitive eyes. Uh, it it does create a problem, uh, and what happens is that if you expose your eyes to, um, if you you know if you expose your your body to the sun, your your pigment in your skin will become darker, melanin. And of course, your skin will become drier and it'll become rougher. So what happens with the eye, the sclera, the top of the eye that you see the in front layer of the eye, or that with, with sun and wind uh, uh, getting into the eye for long periods of time, that also becomes the same way. It, becomes, it gets roughened up and it becomes, uh, uh, it, it, it becomes inflamed and settles down. When again, you go out in the sun, it becomes inflamed and settles down uh, with the result that it develops a scar tissue. It develops a scar tissue. It's called a pterygium. Uh, and you'll see it. If you look, if you look in, uh, uh, in your, if you, if you have it, you look in your, in your eye, open your eyelids out, and you see uh, where you see the eye ball, the, the, the pupil, and of course the cornea around it, and the white of the eye. If you look at the white of the eye, uh, and if you see... Uh, a thickening on either side of the white of the uh, of, of the of the eyeball, uh, the white of the eye. If you see a thickening there, especially sometimes it has a yellowish tinge to it, and a lot of blood vessels, small little blood vessels around it. Then uh, you see a little, uh, a little like a like a little um, scar tissue there, and that's called a pterygium, and that can cause irritation in the eye. And it, causes, it can cause burning, it can cause stinging, and it, can, it's a, it becomes a nuisance after a while. And that has to be peeled off by the eye specialist, uh, like a scar, like any scar in the body. Uh, so, and that actually, our eye actually develops that to protect itself from the sun and the wind and fumes, uh, chemical fumes. Uh, so, and, and you'll find it only in the area of your eye, which remain open. Uh, it won't be it won't be under the eyelids, which are where the eyelids protect that part of the eye. But the open part of the eye, that's where this happens, and it's called a pterygium. And so it is damaging, uh, especially in areas where there's a lot of sun, uh, and uh, you know you have to use dark glasses if you go out uh, and, and and protect your eyes from the sun. Now, doctor, I recall you know the, uh, as as a young lad. When there was a welder doing, you know, arc welding, and you'll watch there. They, hey, don't look without the uh, with the mask on or the, uh, uh, you know, the, with the with the welding mask. Otherwise, you're going to get arc eyes. And uh, but we were naughty, doc. I mean, I don't know if you had that, uh, but you still want to see, you know, those sparks and all those blue flames coming through. And uh, that was, uh, I mean, nowadays we don't, we, we hardly see things like that. But uh, that could have been uh, very hazardous. But we, we we took the chance, doc. But we survived. Yes, that's uh, that's very intense, very bright, very sharp lines, uh, very sharp light, and that uh, that uh, that's a, that's the same thing. Uh, it actually damages uh, the the lining of the front lining of the eye, uh, causing an inflammation, and that's what causes the problem. Yeah. Yes, sir, doctor. Our topic uh, this evening, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, watch your diet during the holiday season. And, you know, it's a hot season, it's going to be, and, you know, people want to have a lot of cold stuff and maybe cold juices and going for 
excessive fruits and ice cream. Uh, talk to us, Doc. Talk to us about it. Yes, uh, you know this holiday is uh, is uh, is a is a Western concept actually uh, that we get uh, embroiled in. Uh, holiday is not a bad thing; it's a good thing, and uh, it it it, uh, it it allows us to do something different from what we were doing. Uh, when we do something over and over and over again, it's a repetitive repetitive action. Uh, whether you are a uh, uh, a, a, a storekeeper, or whether you are you are an accountant, you are a doctor, you are a lawyer, you are whoever, even an alim uh, who, who who does the same thing over and over again. Uh, after a while, uh, you get uh, you get fatigued, uh, and your your brain needs a break. And uh, the minimum break that your brain needs uh, to readjust itself is two weeks. Uh, so most people take a two week break. Uh, in fact, if you take a longer break. Uh, you'll find that you'll be more relaxed because your body will, um, you, know, you know, will adjust and become normal again uh, uh, to, to, you know, to, for you to be able to cope with that same, um, uh, the same, uh, 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 you know, whatever you're doing. So, so, you know, the, so for us um, Muslims, the holiday, uh, the holiday uh, thing, we need to refocus on that. And uh, you know, some people take such a holiday. Uh, that they need another holiday after they come back. Uh, and that's not a good thing um, because actually they didn't relax during that time. They didn't take their mind off uh, things. Uh, they, they congested their minds with the result that when they come back, they still feel fatigued and they still feel that they need another holiday. Uh, they need another break. So we should actually call it a break uh, rather than a holiday. Uh, and the best break that we can get as Muslims is to go for Umrah. And and uh, and if we can if we can ideally uh, combine uh, a break where we we will enjoy certain things of the world uh, and and look at uh, the signs of Allah Subhanahu Taala the beauty of the world created by Allah Subhanahu Taala uh, and and enjoy that and take our mind off the the routine of the work that we we've, we've been doing uh, and uh, relax our mind by looking at all these beautiful things around the world. Go for hiking, or go for whatever, whatever you do, whatever you enjoy doing, uh, or or reading. Uh, but try and read things that are uh, that religiously con connected, uh, and then perform umrah. Uh, and when you so that will be your last thing that you do before you come home, and that will be a very very good way in which to enjoy a holiday, uh, especially if you're going for a, for a break. Uh, in the in the area of uh, of of Haram Haramain, so uh, so we should we should do that. But our intention should be, of course, to go for Umrah rather than going for going for for a break somewhere uh, and 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 enjoying the mountains or enjoying whatever the seaside or whatever it is. Uh, so, but but you you bringing another dimension into this uh, by by talking about food, uh, which is again so 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 very important. Uh, because you find that uh, if you if you let yourself completely go uh, during the holidays, and bec and because you say, okay, it's holiday now, I can do whatever I feel like, and I can I can just uh, do things that are completely uh, away from what I normally do. Uh, then your nafs will tell you to to start eating things that are very fattening, uh, that you start enjoying all the fattening foods. Like all the oily foods and all the rich, uh, sugary foods, and uh, and chips and that kind of thing. So with the result that you put on weight, and uh, so you, you have we have to be careful. And and uh, uh, if you're going for a holiday where there's a lot of walking to be done, uh, you may indulge in in some of these uh, things that may make you put on weight. Some of the high carbohydrate foods that may and and high oil foods. That may that will make you put on weight. Uh, you can indulge in some of them, but your walking or your hiking, your walking uh, will make you, uh, you know, use up the calories that you put in. So that will balance itself out. So you may you you won't gain weight, you won't lose weight, you'll be fine. But at the same time, you have enjoyed both. You have enjoyed your outdoor experience, and you have also enjoyed some of the foods uh, that are delicious, that are very nice and sweet, and that kind of thing. Uh, so. Uh, at the moment, uh, what's in vogue at the moment is people are going to Turkey. A lot of people are going to Turkey, uh, and I noticed that uh, when they come back, uh, 
uh, and a lot of them have lost quite a bit of weight besides the baklava uh, that is very, very sweet and, uh, and all the different other sweet uh, foods that they have. Uh, most people lose weight. The reason is that there's so much of walking to be done in Turkey. It's absolutely amazing the amount of walking that people need to do. And it's, it's the walking that, that makes you lose those calories that you have had. Uh, there's a lot of Islamic heritage in Turkey as well, uh, which, which is a good place to visit. Uh, and uh, to, uh, the Islamic Museum is full of relics from, from Medina. Uh, and uh, some of our Rasulullah's uh, relics are there, and the Sahaba's relics are there. And it's, it's uh, good to see that. But there's a lot of walking to be done there. Uh, and because of the walking that needs to be done, uh, most people lose weight when they come back from Turkey. Uh, so I'm just giving you one example. Uh, and <clears throat> so it's so important what you do. Now, you can't go on a holiday, on a relaxing holiday, and sit down and do nothing for two weeks and then eat a lot of high-calorie foods with cakes and high-calorie uh, biscuits and ice cream and uh, uh, you know cold drinks with a lot of sugar in it and fruit juices with a lot of sugar in it uh, and chips uh, for a snack and uh, that, then you are going to gain a lot of weight during the holidays and that's not very not a, not a very good thing to do um, so the thing to do is to really when you are going on holiday like you plan everything else uh, you plan everything else plan your food as well and try, rather than going for high-calorie foods, rather go and enjoy the local fruit. Uh, eat the local fruit. The fruit is not very fattening, and uh, it's, 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 it's much better uh, to have that ra rather than the chips and, uh, and all the other uh, high-calorie foods that you have. So if you just choose the foods that you have, and especially if you're going as a family, teach the children not to buy these things that are high in calories. Once, once in a while, it's okay. You can, you can have an ice cream once in a while, it's fine. But, you know, some people go on holidays and they'll finish half a tub of ice cream themselves uh, on, on, a, on a couch. They hardly move. Uh, they sit there all the time, relaxing. I'm on holiday. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to relax. Uh, and that's when people will put on weight and it's unhealthy. Uh, it's really, really unhealthy. When they come back, uh, they feel sick again because they are, they're put on so much of weight. So... The choice of foods that we make during the holiday uh, is very important. The choice of holiday that we go for is also very important. Uh, so we, we need to make a balance, create a balance between the two. And as I said earlier, uh, the best holiday that you can have is if you go uh, for, for something that you are interested in uh, and then t at the tail end, enjoy the enjoy of the holiday at the tail end, perform Umrah and come back home. And you will be not only physically energized, you will be spiritually energized as well uh, for, the, for the next year. Yes, sir, doctor, lovely indeed. And uh, as you make a sense uh, that if you go to Turkey, the baklava, hey, hey, yeah, it adds all the calories. But doc said the walking is absolutely brilliant. It's uh, cool, calm, serene. And, you know, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's also, uh, you know, a doctor. And he said, you know, Shafat, healthy is uh, merely the absence of disease, but embraces mental, physical, emotional and spiritual well-being as well. And uh, that is uh, so true, the absence of disease. But, uh, Doc, wherever you go, we compromise. You know, there's always uh, something in the air that's going to get us. Um, there's no way of getting away from it, uh, doctor. What's your thoughts? Well, if you go into a country... Uh, the country, it's like people coming into our country where there are diseases going around uh, in the country itself. Uh, so, we, we, you know, that's another research that you need to do if you're going into a country to see what, what is happening in that country. You may be going into a malaria area. Uh, and, and so you need to take precautions for malaria because the chances will be very high that you will end up with malaria. So in the same way, you need to see what's going on around in that country to to try and minimize your your contact. Uh, some some countries are not very hygienic, uh, with the result that you may end up with food poisoning, and that's not a very pleasant thing to have on your holiday. Because besides putting you to bed, you're going to have diarrhea and vomiting for two or three days, 
and you, it's going it's to make you weak. It's going to get you dehydrated. Uh, you're going to lose three or four days of your holidays in bed trying to recover from, from food poisoning. And that's food poisoning uh, is a Um, and and it's very common. It's uh, it's it's one of the things that people uh, you know dread when they go on holiday. And uh, the way to avoid that, of course, is to make sure that you don't eat anything raw. When you when you when you when food is cooked, it kills the germs. So eat cooked foods. And when food is left for quite some time uh, in an open space without being refrigerated, that's another way in which you get food poisoning. So go to a restaurant, with hair, where, go to a place where there's a quick turnover of food, which is a busy place where the food is, is, is turned over very quickly. Uh, and so the food is not allowed to stagnate or stay on a shelf or a counter for long periods of time. So, uh, and, and make sure that you are, you, you are, uh, you are, you are eating in a place which, which, which has some semblance of hygiene uh, in it. Uh, and also, uh, as I said, Cooked foods, because cooking kills all the bugs. Whether it's a virus or a bacteria, it'll kill it. So, uh, so go for cooked foods. Don't eat salads in a restaurant, because that's one of the ways in which you pick up germs. And hepatitis A is one of the common ones that we pick up from uh, from east, uh, from the east, uh, from the from the Middle East countries, from the east eastern countries. Uh, hepatitis A, and that can make you very sick for a long period of time. You're looking at six to twelve weeks before you recover from that, uh, from that illness, and 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 so uh, it spreads with food, and so uh, even uh, with fruit. Uh, if you if you're having a fruit in a place where you don't know whether they've washed it properly, uh, then you you peel the fruit, take the skin off. Normally, we say that you should eat fruit with the skin. Because the skin has got a fiber in it, which your stomach needs, your bowel needs uh, to make it work. But here, when you are on holiday and you are in a situation where you picked up the fruit and you've got no place to wash the fruit, peel the fruit um, and 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 just eat the inside of the fruit and throw the peels away. Uh, well, things like then you can go for things like oranges or bananas, where you have to peel it because you can't eat it without being peeled mandarins and or citrus fruit, uh, any fruit, citrus fruit, you have to peel them. So those are the fruit that you eat when you are outside uh, and you have no choice uh, but to eat something. Uh, look for these fruits where you can where you can peel the fruit and, and eat them. So uh, in that way, you won't get the bugs that are on the fruit itself. So those are the two ways in which people develop uh, 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 traveler's diarrhea and 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 uh, food poisoning and the other way of course is is um, the two other ways uh, which are not so uh, common but it does happen and one is a seafood poisoning and uh, seafoods usually they have salmonella in it and uh, it's it's uh, if, you, if if they haven't refrigerated the fish or 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 they haven't refrigerated the seafood uh, properly and uh, you eat it, and if, and if it's not cooked very well, uh, sometimes fish, uh, they don't cook it too much. They just cook it a little bit, and that's where the problem lies, because a little bit of cooking may not be enough to kill the bugs. So you can develop uh, food poisoning uh, from that, uh, from, from the seafood. Uh, and, of course, uh, things like if you go to Japan and you, uh, you're, you're having sushi, uh, that's another Issue now. You have to have the sushi in a place which is reputable, and you must make sure that you're going to a place where, uh, where you are not going to get food poisoning from eating raw fish or raw seafood. Um, you know, and and uh, you you know, I'd rather not take the chance. Rather have the sushi at home, where you can, uh, where where you know the place where you're buying it from. Uh, overseas, you don't know where you're buying it from. Uh, you don't know what's on that uh, sushi. It's not cooked, so the bugs are not killed. And you're taking, a, you're really taking a chance. So uh, just be careful when you're going out. Cut out the salads when, uh, if you make, uh, and if you have, if you go. And most of us, when we go for for holidays, most of our Muslims, we go for self catering, and and that's very good because self catering, you can buy your own vegetables, you can buy your own fruit, and you can come home and give it a tara 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 uh, wash, soaking and 
uh, wash the fruit very well, and then you can have it uh, because you have prepared it yourself. Uh, make sure you wash your hands with soap and water before you prepare the prepare the fruit and vegetables, and in that way you will minimize uh, the 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 traveler's diarrhea uh, for food poisoning that occurs when you are traveling. But that's a common problem that happens when people travel. But the other thing that happens, of course, is if there's a virus going around causing an upper respiratory infection uh, in that community where you are going, uh, you are going to, you, you are exposed to it and the chances are very high that you, uh, you may get it as well. So use a mask, use a mask to protect yourself. Uh, and if you get it, well, it comes from Allah SWT, but at least you use some method of trying to protect yourself uh, from the environment. So especially if you're going to crowded places like, like in a bus, bus or you're going to a, a shop which is very crowded with poor ventilation or you're going to any restaurant where, where there's not, not good ventilation and there are a lot of people in, in there, uh, wear a mask until you are uh, ready to eat and then you can, of course, take the mask out and eat as quickly as you can and put the mask back on again. Uh, so uh, in that way, it helps. And our, our ladies with niqabs, that's very good for them because that they have protection all the time. And uh, uh, you know, and that's very that's that's something that they can uh, they can use as as protection against uh, uh, against aerosol against uh, diseases that spread by air uh, in countries uh, when they go on, when they are on holiday. Again, uh, the way to avoid it completely is to be out in the open most of the time and not in enclosed areas with the local people. If you are in enclosed areas with your own family, it's fine. But how, but if you if you if you, um, if you want to be with other people, local the local people wherever you are, have their meeting, have the gathering outside. Uh, the chances of you picking up things from them uh, will be very minimal. Well, doctor, I'm looking at a message. It says uh, uh, it's from Sister Amina. She says, "Assalamualaikum, uh, Doctor Farooq Kafiji. You're such a motivation. Allah bless you. I want to confess uh, this evening." How do I discard bad eating habits and uh, junk food? Please, doctor, it's just a habit that I find so hard to give up. How do you respond to Amina, doctor? Yes, uh, you know, you, you you need to look at your your trolley when you are buying food from a supermarket. You need to actually look at your trolley very critically and ask yourself, go on one side of the after you've, after you've done your shopping, go on one side of the shop before you go out to check out and look at your trolley and ask yourself, what did I buy? If, you have trolley, if your trolley is full of chips and uh, cold drinks and juices and uh, full cream stuff and uh, hardly any fruit, hardly any vegetables, your, your, your eating habits are very bad. You are concentrating on eating on comfort food. You are not concentrating on healthy foods. You are, so your whole buying is off, off the rails. Therefore, you are bringing that home and you are going to now consume all that. And that definitely is going to cause a problem for you and your family. But if you find that in your trolley, you have got fruit and you've got vegetables and you've got low fat stuff and you've got very few things that will make you put on weight, you are doing the right shopping. That's the shopping that you need to do. So that's where our eating habits start. If you have it in the house, you'll eat it. If you don't have it in the house, where are you going to get it from? You'll have to go and buy it. I find sometimes trolley full of chips and, and uh, cold drinks and uh, uh, chocolates, bars and bars of chocolates and all the high calorie foods. And I just think to myself, you know, and, and, and I look at the person who's pushing the trolley and they are as thick as a trolley themselves. So you can see why they are so overweight. They're so overweight because their buying habits are all wrong. Uh, they shouldn't be buying those things and they are just perpetuating a problem. Uh, so, you, you know, that's where it starts. And if you don't have it in the house, the chances are that you're not going to eat it. And, and it's, so, it's so, so important for us to teach our children the correct eating habits. Teach our children to eat fruit and vegetables. Teach our children to eat healthy foods. Teach our children to be conscious about what they're putting into their mouths. Teach our children, like how we teach them about halal and haram foods. Teach them about good, nutritious foods and foods that are harmful to our body. 
And that's and if you do that, it'll stay lifelong in their minds, and they will do the right shopping, and they'll buy the right stuff, and they'll eat the correct foods. The other day, I was talking to one of the musallis in the masjid, and he's he's showing me his brittle nails, and uh, he's asking me, um, "What do you think is his brittle nails?" And I looked at it, and I know to me it looked uh, it looked like he has he wasn't having enough minerals in his in his in his circulation. And I asked him, uh, "Do you have any fruit? Do you have any vegetables to eat?" No, I don't. I don't. I love meat. I only eat meat. There's no meat on the table. I don't eat. Mm. So this person, for years and years and years, hasn't been eating fruit and hasn't hasn't been eating vegetables. So what's so what's happening now? He's not getting enough nutritious foods, enough minerals in his body to be able to sustain. Now, if his, if his nails are showing these signs, can you imagine what's happening to his organs in the body? The same thing is happening to, to the other organs in his body, which we, which he cannot see, which we cannot see. So you, you, we need to have a well-balanced diet. It is so important for us to have a well-balanced diet, have a little bit of each type of foods so that we give our our bodies a whole lot of a variety of types of nutrition that our body needs to sustain itself. Uh, Sadiq says, Assalamu alaikum, doctor. Recently, I was told by a dietitian to go on a fruit diet. And uh, subsequently, I thought I'll be losing weight, but uh, nothing has happened. Actually, have gained uh, more weight having fruits all the time. Why is this so, doctor? He needs to change his dietitian. Because that's the wrong advice by a dietitian. Uh, the dietitian uh, will give you an advice uh, that will uh, that will give you a well balanced diet, not a one sided diet. Fruit fruit contains a sugar called fructose. Fructose is, uh, is that's that's a sugar that's in fruit, and fructose uh, it has to be uh, you know it it has it it has to be broken down to glucose in your digestive system uh, but the the problem is with fructose is that it's one of those sugars that get that can that gets stored very easily as fat in our bodies so if you have a lot of fruit you also find this in people who are juicers we call them juicers they juice fruit and they drink the fruit with, with juice and as juice um, and uh, uh, they, they and then they buy these machines which juices fruit um, and what this machine does is takes the goodness out of the fruit and just gives them the juice. So, uh, so you you know you you need about something like five or six oranges to make a glass of orange juice. Uh, and uh, so you drink the orange juice, but you're getting pure fructose in there. And and if you do that with all the fruit, uh, you will gain weight because you you're putting in so much of fructose in your body at the one, at the same time the fructose doesn't know what to do because you're not using it uh, so the so the body doesn't know what to do with this fructose so what it does it stores it as fat in, in your organs so you're going to put on weight that's what will happen but the, the the right way to juice fruit is to ju is to juice the full the, the whole fruit and and uh, grind it grind the whole fruit and have it with everything inside the fruit and not separate the juice from the rest of the fruit. Uh, that's a way to, to, to liquidize the fruit, uh, not to separate the juice from the rest of the fruit and throw the rest, throw the good, good part of the fruit away. You need to grind the food, you need to, uh, the, the, the fruit, you need to grind it and, and, and have the whole fruit in a liquid form. Uh, some people can't eat uh, because of the teeth or because they have a problem chewing. Uh, so they have a problem eating fruit. So rather, um, you know, grind it and give it to them uh, as a drink. But they will get the goodness of the fruit. Uh, but if you have it excessively, if you have it excessively, you will gain weight because of the fructose that's in the fruit. Yeah, Dr. Mnick, this is the last question, uh, Lukala, because, uh, yeah, the time is catching up here. Uh, Rehana says, Assalamu alaikum, doctor. I was told by my uh, family member, an elder one, that uh, the currants uh, or the dried uh, grapes, uh, they clean your blood. There's a black and the red uh, variation. Is it true, Doc? And if so, which one should I use uh, to clean out my blood? Uh, Shafat, I don't know about cleaning, uh, the, using those raisins to clean the blood. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether it happens or doesn't happen. I have no knowledge about that. Uh, no, but... Maybe as a as a laxative dog. 
uh, doc, if you if you use uh, currents and uh, maybe you go for, you know, prunes, this, that. Uh, I mean, I think this dried grapes too, they, they, they do that. I don't know, but uh, she wanted to know if you clean your blood. Maybe she's talking about cleansing out, uh, doctor. Uh, yes. So, you know, um, it, um, dried fruit is, is very good for the bowel because it is concentrated fiber. Uh, and uh, uh, it's, it's very good for, for to make your stomach work. Uh, so in that way, maybe that's what she she means. But it, it doesn't it doesn't clean your blood in any way. Uh, it'll it'll make you it'll, it'll make you feel a bit better because you your stomach has worked and you you feel a bit much much better. Uh, so it it'll apply to all dried fruit. Uh, but some dried fruit work a little bit better than other dried fruit. And for your stomach, uh, uh, for your to, to make your stomach work, um, then you'll have to have something like prunes, as you as you mentioned, which is right, and raisins. Uh, yes, they they will also make your stomach work, uh, because uh, these have got the 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 the, the cover the, the the cover of the fruit in them, uh, so that gives you um, the the fiber that you need. Uh, with apples and pears and all the other dried fruits, some they they peel them before they they dry them, with the result that you don't you don't get as much fiber as you would uh, in fruit that they um, that they dry with the skin of the fruit intact. And and uh, that's what gives you the the fiber that you need to make your stomach work. So choose the dried fruit uh, where the skin of the fruit is still there. Uh, that will help you quite a bit uh, to clean out your system. Got you a beautiful evening in your company, Doctor. Full of knowledge, cool, calm, collected. Your parting words this evening? Uh, yes, what we are speaking about basically is to take care of our bodies. And it's so important for us to do that. It's an amana that Allah Ta'ala has given us. Our soul is in our body. And, and, Allah, and, and our body is just carrying our soul. So it's, it's a mechanical thing. And, and we need to protect it, like how you would protect a car. We need to service it every year. We need to make sure that it's, it's, when something breaks down or begins to break down, we need to fix it up, not allow it to break down more. But we need to keep it moving so that our, our body uh, works at an, at an optimal state. Uh, so these are so important. So it's an amana Allah has given us. We need to take care of it, take care of our bodies, and you'll find that your quality of life will improve and your ibadah will improve. And that's what the whole thing is all about. Zakala Khaira, Dr. Farooq Kafiji, as I said, uh, I really enjoy you. The listeners enjoy you. You have a blessed evening ahead. Inshallah, I'll talk to you soon. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Yes, sir, people, time for us to go for the Isha Azan and we'll continue after that.